ago that uh, we also have a, another special guest there along with Elena, uh, Natasha, who's a longtime translator uh, for, uh, for Mike when he goes to, to Russia. She was here on the front row as well, so I apologize. I forgot to, to recognize her, but uh, we're, we're grateful that all, all of you are here today. Uh, and a, as we mentioned, and as you can see behind me now, we've been looking at this prayer wall for several, several weeks, and, and we are, are wrapping up today our series on the nature of prayer and, and what exactly prayer is all about. And I just want to remind you of uh, the very first uh, message in this series. We were, we were trying to draw near to this question that we find in Luke chapter 11, where the disciples come to Jesus and they say, in essence, Lord, teach us to pray. And we can learn much by following the example of, of Jesus in prayer, and that was where we started, and we would use this as an opportunity to remind us of that yet again. He is our example in all things, and certainly prayer is included in that list. But we also learn the way of prayer uh, not only by following the example of Jesus, but, but I think we learn from the concrete examples of those who are around us, don't we? We learn the way of prayer by following the, the examples of those brothers and sisters in Christ who are a part of our lives. Uh, we, we learn the way of prayer by praying along with those who are around us. My grandfather on my father's side had a fourth grade education. Granddaddy Bybee went to, to school up until about the fourth grade. And at that point, after both of his, his parents passed away, he just went from one relative to the other working little odd jobs here and there for five or six months at a time and when the work would finish up he'd move on to another distant uncle or cousin and you know just had the the most simple upbringing of anybody that I know but to listen to him pray was one of my favorite things they were simple they were heartfelt but but there was something powerful about listening to my grandfather pray when I was a, a child growing up, the, the, the children's ministry at our church would have these leadership training classes uh, once a year. And we do something similar around here, but uh, we would meet together on Sunday night for a series of, of, of weeks, so five or six weeks in a row. And you know, we would sit there and, and, and talk about uh, how to speak in public or uh, a little tips of the trade for reading scripture in the life of the church, or on this particular night that I'm remembering, we, we learned about leading public prayer. And all of this was focused on getting us prepared for the one, the one big night <laughs> when we would all stand before the church on that Sunday night and, and lead the Sunday evening worship service. And I remember the, the evening that we were going to discuss prayer, our teacher brought in a, a member from our church as sort of a guest speaker. He wasn't really a guest because he was a member of our church and we all knew him well. His name was Colonel Leonard Bradley, and he was the headmaster at Castle Heights Military Academy in my hometown. Uh, I, my impression of Colonel Bradley, that's how everyone referred to him, my impression of Colonel Bradley was that he was very serious very stern and he came in that that evening and uh and and to a room of fourth grade boys he only continued to galvanize that image of him as being kind of stern and serious but i began to see as he talked and he began to talk specifically about prayer there was another side to this man and we began to see it that night and colonel bradley went to the, the the chalkboard in the classroom and he wrote these four letters up on the chalkboard a c and he, he put the chalk down and he turned around and he looked at us and he said all right prayer prayer should be practical he said prayer should be the time when we come to the lord not trying to impress him but but just bringing the needs of our hearts bringing the expression of our hearts it was odd hearing this military man talk about the heart so much but he said, tonight, I want to teach you a, a practical way of prayer that I believe can carry you through the rest of your life. And I was on the edge of my seat. <laughs> and so he went back to the chalkboard and he wrote these words out beside each of the four letters. Adoration and confession and thanksgiving and supplication. I wasn't quite sure what that meant. 
But he wrote those four words beside those letters, and, and this military headmaster began to walk us through the meaning of, of each of those words, and in particular, how they related to prayer. And I have to admit to you, uh, I thought it was brilliant. <laughs> I began to notice then when Colonel Bradley would get up and lead us in prayer at church, that he would actually follow the model that he gave us. And I felt like somebody had given me insider trading tips. You know, I felt like I was sort of in on, on what was really going on. Years later, I found out this wasn't original to Colonel Bradley, even though he kind of passed it off like it was his thing, right? Uh, many of us, many of you perhaps in your upbringing or at one church or another, maybe you, you've kind of heard of this. I, we have a, a fifth grader in our home, and when we were talking during the week, uh, he was telling me about the leadership training that he's actually going through right now, and he said, you know, our, our teacher, Mr. Wallace, was going through, and he did this thing on prayer, uh, A-C-T-S, and I was like, have you been reading my sermon notes? Because that's where we're going, you know? So this is not original to, to someone in our lives, probably, but, but the colonel was right. It's an extremely practical way for us to pray, and I don't know if I'll remember it my whole life, but I've remembered it so far. And I, I submit it to you here now as we kind of close up shop on this series. Today, what I'd like for us to do is just really simple message time. I'd like for us to go through and talk about each one of those four and how we can try to draw, the, draw those into our, our prayer life. If your question at the end of all this is still, okay, how, how exactly do I pray? Well, this is a, a model that I found to be tried and true. So we'll talk about that. But, but here's the thing, more than just talking about this, what I'd like for us to do is, is to reflect a little more fully on the meaning of each. And so I've asked some men of our church to, to lead us in very focused prayer time around each one of those four points. And we'll have some, some songs that will serve as reflection for us as well. Before we dive in fully and talk about this first point, how we can pray the prayer of adoration i'd like for us to sing the words of this classic hymn oh come let us adore him let's sing together
let's think a little bit about adoration. Uh, when we pray, the, the A in our, our prayer model stands for that word adoration. Now again, that's not exactly where I expected the, the colonel to begin in, in his uh, teaching of us on prayer. But he told us something that, that uh, is really important, that God is worthy of our praise. God is worthy of our worship. And that's really what we're getting at with this idea of the prayer of, of adoration. The Christian author Richard Foster says that adoration is the air in which prayer can breathe. The, the, the water in which it swims. And I think there's, there's some truth to that. But prayer, typically for us, if, if we're being honest, there's a lot of times when we come to the Lord in prayer and, and it's easy to default into petition. Or maybe it's easy to default into thanksgiving, and, and there's nothing wrong with that, and we'll, we'll get to that. That's part of this model. But to just jump right in full bore with our requests, or to, to jump in even with our, our list of things for which we are thankful, really, uh, it, it's, it's easy, at least for me when I do that, to forget that I'm talking to the creator of all things. And when I begin my prayer in adoration keeps me grounded in that truth which is an important one for us as we pray would you agree so adoration we begin this this model of prayer with adoration it is an, an act of worship it conveys uh, deep love it conveys respect it's used to express veneration in in popular artwork this picture which you see all over the place in one form or another this this of course being uh, a, a sculpture, but in modern art we see the magi, the wise men, coming to Jesus, and that is referred to quite often as the adoration of the magi, or the adoration of the, the kings. And they are coming to Jesus bearing their gifts, right? As we read about that in the Gospels, we hear that on the radio as we, as we walk through the mall this time of year, but what's at the heart of that is this sense of worship and reverence and adoration for the Lord that's what we're talking about here so before we get into thanksgiving or making requests it's good for us to begin our prayer with a time of adoration you might picture a young a young man and his heart is just filled he is smitten with this beautiful young lady right and because he is so in love with her, he cannot wait until he has the opportunity to spend time with her. You know, his, his heart begins to beat a little faster at the, the possibility of, of seeing her at school or picking her up for a date. They spend hours talking on the phone late at night. And when they're not talking on the phone, he's writing her notes where he's just pouring his heart out. And the words of adoration and love, they just come spilling out of him. It's so easy for him to adore her because his mind is so captivated by her beauty and by her smile and by everything about her. We know what adoration looks like, don't we? So my question would then be, can we not bring this same sense of adoration into our prayers it might not be exactly apples to apples the way we would talk to someone that we're in love with but is there a sense of adoration and and worship and awe that comes to mind whenever we come before the lord in prayer do we pray the prayer of adoration or have our prayers simply become nothing but a list of thanksgiving or possibly prayer requests here's another way to think about it how would you feel if someone spoke to you the way you often speak to the lord in prayer would you feel adored or do you simply feel like this person tr is treating me sort of like we've said a couple of times here kind of like uh, like a divine errand boy <laughs> something to think about because again adoration keeps us mindful of who we're talking to in prayer 
There are hundreds of declarations of praise and, and adoration in the scriptures. As far back as Deuteronomy 10, Moses was telling the children of Israel that the Lord their God was to be the object of their praise. In Deuteronomy 10, 20 and 21, he says, you shall fear the Lord your God. And then that simple phrase, he is your praise. Prior to entering into the promised land, Moses has kind of a final opportunity. The book of Deuteronomy is just really a series of sermons that Moses is delivering before the children of Israel cross into the promised land, and he himself won't be able to join them. So it's, it's fitting for us to think as Deut Deuteronomy as kind of like the last words, the last will and testament of Moses. And he says to them before they enter into that promised land, make the Lord your God the object of your worship and your praise. And that just sets the stage for the book of Psalms, where the psalmists continue to stretch the boundaries of language in, in, in an effort to find new ways to heap praise upon the Lord. Psalm 66, shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Give to him glorious praise. And then this line, say to God, how awesome are your deeds when is the last time you were awestruck before god in prayer we use the word awesome in a lot of different contexts today our ministry staff likes to go eat lunch together on mondays and it was several years ago i don't remember where we ate i don't remember what i had but i made the comment about man this food is awesome you know this burrito is awesome you know whatever it was we were eating i i, I used that that phrase and later, uh, Joe Esner, one of our ministers, said to me, you know, I, I just I have to say to you, awesome is a word we ought to use for God, right? Not burritos. <laughs> and I hate to give Joe credit, but he's got a point on that one, okay? We need to, to use that term awesome to describe the wondrous power, the person of God. Can we be awestruck before the Lord as we pray? So today, I'd like for us to spend a moment praying this prayer of, of adoration, expressing to God what is in our hearts for him. And our brother Philip will come, our, our brother uh, is going to come and Austin Messer is going to come lead us in that word of prayer. Come on, Austin. Let us bow. Dearly Father, just as it says in Psalm 66, how, how awesome are your deeds. Uh, just, you made this world, God. You, you spoke it into existence. You placed the stars in the sky. You, you formed the hands, uh, the lands with your hands, God. And, um, you show us beauty um, in this world every day, Father. And we just, we, we, we just praise you for that, God. And, um, even before this world began, you thought of each and every one of us. You, you designed us uh, so uniquely, Father. Um, and we're just, I'm just, I'm just awestruck in that of um, how different we can be, Father, but yet we can still uh, come together as a community and uh, to come here and worship you and, and to praise you, Father. And uh, we just, we see your power, um, in the blood, God, as you, uh, you had your son sent to the cross and, and to die for us, and not even death could hold him, God, and he rose and uh, came to save us, Father, and it's no matter, no matter how far we, we run from you, uh, flee from you, God, and um, you're there for us, you, you would leave the 99 just to, to save the one, God, and we, uh, we just see uh, the endless mercy and the grace and the love you show us, God, you deserve, um, you deserve all our love and um, all our praise um, and all the glory to you in Jesus' name. Amen.
So the, the A stands for adoration, and, and again, in adoration, we recognize who God is. As Austin just prayed, you know, we're coming before the one who created all things. He's holy, and, and he's righteous, and he's true, but, but before long, as, as we do that, we begin to re- recognize how that impacts us. We, we begin to recognize, I believe, that, that God is those things. We are unholy, and we are unrighteous, and we are untrue at times, and so it before long, it's easy, I think, to transition from adoration into, into the next point here, which is confession. So the prayer of adoration then feeds into this prayer of, of confession. We know what confession is, and it's, it's perhaps the most difficult one of all here. It is when we admit our weakness. It is when we admit our wrongdoing. The Apostle John was a follower of Jesus. In fact, he was closer to Christ than anyone. And this is what John teaches about the power of confession. He says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Confession, according to John, is, is essential not only to experiencing the, the forgiveness of sin, that is, is obvious, but John also says that confession is the key to overcoming self-deception. And really, that is the worst form of deception when we fool ourselves into thinking that that we're right when we're really wrong, into thinking that we're okay when we're not, into thinking that we're clean and and, and pure when really we're just saturated with sin. Self-deception is so, so very dangerous. And John says confession is the key to overcoming that. So in in a biblical sense, it really is true that the first step in overcoming something is to admit that you have a problem. Have you ever heard that before? We, we hear that in a lot of different contexts. Well, it's a biblical idea because according to John, the, the key to overcoming sin and the, and the key to overcoming self-deception is to admit our weakness, therefore trusting in what God has done for us through Christ Jesus. That's the nature of confession. And if confession was, was that important, wouldn't you expect to find a lot of examples of that in the scriptures? I mean, if confession is as important as, as John says it is, I think we would be well within our rights to say, okay, well, there, there needs to be a lot of examples of that in the scriptures. And when you look at the scriptures on that point, you, you're not disappointed. These are just a few of the examples that I want to share with you this morning of people who make confessions the, the kind of confession we're talking about here, a confession of wrongdoing, a confession of sin. King Saul, he acknowledged that sin in 1 Samuel chapter 15. I love the, the word of David in Psalm 25 because he talks about his guilt. He says, Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is so great. Simon Peter, when he interacts with Jesus in Luke chapter 5, he, he speaks those words that are so true. He says, Lord, You've got to get away. You need to depart from me because I'm a sinful man. And then in the teaching of Jesus, the prodigal son, you remember what he said in this, this story of, of Jesus that is perhaps his most well-known? The son goes off to the distant land and spends his inheritance on wild living. And, and when he comes home, he's, he's practicing his speech. You know, here's what I'm going to say, Father, I've sinned. I've sinned against heaven, and I've sinned before you. And then that tax collector in Luke 18, in in, in contrast to the piety of the Pharisee who is, is praising God and saying, Lord, you're welcome that I'm on your team. We have the tax collector who says simply, God, be merciful to me, for I, I am a sinner. So we ask in prayer, are prayer lives filled with Prayers of adoration, that's important. But then secondly, are we praying this prayer of confession? Are we able to be honest with the Lord about our struggles? 
I'll tell you, I've found tremendous value in naming my sins in prayer before the Lord. Now, I'll be honest with you and tell you, it is really uncomfortable. To have to say it out loud <laughs> is so uncomfortable. I hate it, but it's good for me. More than that, more than just being good for the soul, it, it's the key, John says, to experiencing forgiveness. And so now I'd, I'd like for our brother Philip now to come and to lead us in a difficult prayer. And that's the prayer of confession. So in leading this prayer this morning, this is something that we all need to participate together in. There's something very powerful in a group of believers praising together and confessing together. Uh, to help us focus and really to help me focus, I need to let the Lord, word of the Lord speak to us first. Romans 3, 23 through 26. For me, this is the gospel. It's very important. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And, praise the Lord for the and, and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. He did this to demonstrate his justice because in his forbearance, he left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. And he did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time. So as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you that Austin led us in adoration. Because, Lord, as we come into your throne room, we have to see your glory, Lord. Lord, it's not our tradition here to get down on our knees and not asking folks to do that physically this morning, because that would just be a distraction, Lord. But mentally, we're all on our hands and knees. Some of us are on our face before you, Lord. Because we confess that we're unworthy to be in your presence. And it's only because of the blood of Jesus Christ that we have the right to come before your throne. None of us are worthy. Every single one of us are slaves to sin, Lord. We're just like Paul. We do the things we don't want to do over and over again. And we ask you to break those chains. Not only that, Lord, we know that our sins are costly. It's not cheap grace. It's expensive grace that you gave us. The cost was your son and his blood. So as we come to here together as a group, Lord, we want to confess. Lord, we want to confess things. I can't confess for everyone in here. Each one has their own struggles, but there's things that are common, Lord, things we all know. Top of the list is always pride and selfishness, Lord. We confess it. Lord, if we could just give that up, how much better would we be? It's really the root of our sins, Lord. Lord, we confess not seeing all sin is equal, not seeing all sin is dirty. Lord, we confess that certain sins we hate, and we confess that we hate the sinner sometimes. Lord, forgive us for hating the sinner and not the sin. Forgive us, Lord, for loving our own sins, the things that we don't see as dirty. And Lord, remove that plank from our eye. We confess that. Lord, we confess not loving when we should, for not seeing loss all around us, not truly believing the loss. We confess not trusting in your plan our impatience, our bitterness, our unjustified anger, just being lukewarm 
when we should be on fire. We're being, sometimes, Lord, we're just cowardly, and we don't stand up for what's right. And on the other hand, sometimes, Lord, we are just so dogmatic and mean that we drive people away with unjustified smugness. Lord, we confess not forgiving as you have forgiven us. Holy Spirit, we just pray that you'd work in us so that we would not be normalized to our sinful condition, that we would know that these sins are so costly, Lord. Um, we're all sinners, Lord, and as we read from your word, we're so thankful that you forgave us. And not only that, Lord, you more than forgave us, you justified us through faith. You didn't just say you're forgiven, you invited us to the table, Lord, and you made us sons and daughters. Lord Jesus is our intercessor by the throne. You've heard us intercede for us. We are sorry that you had to take our sins. We are sorry that you had to be separated from your Father for us. Lord, God, we just pray that you would have mercy on us as sinners. The same prayer of the tax collector. Lord, we, we are nothing without Jesus. If you've heard nothing this morning, Lord, know that from our heart. We realize that we're nothing without Jesus. We ask everything and confess everything through the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. We, we transition then into this prayer of, of thanksgiving. And even as, as Philip was leading that, that heartfelt prayer, of we're confessing. When we, when we acknowledge just the enormity of our sin, and yet we realize that, that God has not counted that against us in Christ Jesus, but that he, he has cleansed us, as John says, from all unrighteousness. We see now how naturally confession leads into thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is the kind of thing that transcends our circumstances. Otherwise, I don't think we would be told in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 to give thanks in all circumstances. And so practicing gratitude, this, this prayer of thanksgiving, it's really at the heart of the most often found uh, sentence or phrase that you'll find in the scriptures this sentence is found there more than any other some of you've heard me say that many many times but it's just that simple standard issue expression of praise that you see in the scriptures give thanks to the lord for he is good his love endures forever you find that from cover to cover in the scriptures 
that God's goodness, as expressed and experienced in his eternal and enduring love, is the source of our gratitude. You know, a lot has been written in recent years about the connection between gratitude and, and emotional health. Psychologists say that teenagers who regularly practice that habit of giving thanks, they're healthier emotionally and physically. They, they, they actually begin to thrive because psychologists look and see the, the benefit of growing up in an environment where, where we name our blessings. And we have someone to give thanks to. And, and, and we understand, don't we, that, that all of this is a part of, of God's desire for us, not just to be emotionally healthy, but more importantly, to be spiritually healthy as well. That's why it's, it's, it's really no surprise that the command to give thanks is indeed a life-giving one. There is an attractive quality to the grateful heart, just as an ungrateful heart is so unbecoming. I'll remind you, we began with Philippians 4, verse 6 a few weeks ago in this series. It is the most highlighted passage in all the scriptures, and we refer to it yet again before our brother James comes to lead us in this prayer of thanksgiving. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, the word says, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So now, in this spirit of gratitude and thankfulness, Let's pray this prayer of thanksgiving. Do you all mind standing with me as we praise, praise the Lord? Thank you. Father, we see your goodness and your love around us every day, and we want to, to pause and say thank you. Uh, we want to thank you for the ability um, to, to praise you and to adore you. We want to thank you for the ability to confess our sins and, and to find grace. Father, we have, we have so much to be thankful for. Um, we thank you for this church. We thank you for its leadership. We thank you for the, uh, the hard decisions and the lives and troubles that they get involved with. But we also thank you um, for the, the guidance and the hope and the, the peace that they, they help bring to our lives. Father, we, we thank you for the relationships that this body represents. We thank you for the lives and the, the uh, every day, the things that allow us to uh, support each other and to put an arm around each other and to celebrate with each other. We thank you for the ability to do that. We thank you for the, the army of servants that this, this church represents and all of the good work that is done and the purpose behind it and and the love and the, the uh, all, of, all of the reasons that we have to, to reach out to you and to thank you and are able to turn that and, and face it t towards the world and those around us. Father, we thank you for the global church. We thank you for the fact that we can travel all over this, this country and this world and find believers and find those who will support us and love us, uh, find home, even in strange places and strange, strange countries and other, other parts of this country, that, that your body is, is worldwide and um, that there, there are people all over the earth this morning gathered together praying, uh, adoring you, and uh, uh, remembering you in communion. Father, we, we thank you for our families. Um, we thank you for fathers and mothers. Uh, we thank you for... Um, uh, grandparents who, who helped raise many, many of us and, and aunts and uncles who did the same. We thank you for brothers and sisters to uh, grow up with and to, to fight with and to have uh, fun with and to, uh, to work together uh, as, uh, with aging parents. We thank you for our spouses and the support that they bring. We thank you for the love that, that we find there and the teamwork uh, that we have together as we, we live this life for you. We especially thank you for children. We thank you for the future of your, of your church that they represent. We thank you for the joy and the excitement that they bring to life. Uh, we thank you for the lessons we learn as we, as we raise them and as we teach them and as we experience them in this body. Um, we thank you for that. Father, we, uh, we thank you for work 
We thank you for the ability to serve. We thank you for vaca- uh, vocation and the ability to find uh, meaning and purpose in serving those around us. Uh, we thank you for those who uh, raise our children and teach our children. We thank you for all the, the, the opportunities to uh, spend our energy and our time in service to you and in service to our world. Father, we, we thank you for this nation. Um, the, the, the freedom that we have and the prosperity that we have is unprecedented in history and in this world today. And we, we thank you for that. And we ask you to help us to not squander that, to use it uh, to, to glorify you and to, uh, to serve the world around us. Father, we, we thank you for our physical blessings. There's, there's so many things that we, we just take for granted today, and, and there are so many who don't have those, and, and so many throughout history that have not had the, the comfort that we've had and the physical blessings that we've had. Again, we ask you to help, help remind us that, that these are our blessings and are to be used in your service. Father, we, we thank you for this time of year. We thank you for the ability to use the, uh, the focus on your son and his birth uh, to remind ourselves, our families, and the world around us that, uh, that um, there, is, there is something bigger than just our, our daily desire to, uh, to acquire physical things and to, to make ourselves comfortable. Father, we, we thank you for grace when, when our lives uh, don't demonstrate our gratitude. And, and when we forget to say thank you, we thank you for your son, whose life, death, and resurrection make all of these, this possible. And it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Our last prayer is the prayer of supplication. It's not a word we use very often. It's my sense that's uh, one of those one of those biblical words that kind of remains in the Bible, and we don't use it in in everyday life. But but a supplication is simply a a request that comes from a place of humility. The word has a connotation of asking beneath, or or to make a request coming from a, a clearly inferior sort of position so you'll recall a few weeks ago when we filled out these cards that are behind me on the prayer wall that have continued to mount up over the weeks we asked the question what are you begging God for for what what are you what are you asking God to do well that is supplication and although supplication comes last in this particular prayer model we need not think that that somehow means it is of secondary importance that is not the case at all uh, in Ephesians 6, uh, the Apostle Paul is talking about the, the weaponry, the armor, the spiritual resources God has given us for this great spiritual struggle we are engaged in. And he mentions prayer. And in particular, he talks about supplication, this particular form of, of asking. And so as, as the word says, the battle that we're engaged in is not a battle against flesh and blood. We need to be clear about that. 
Instead, the battle is, is, is taking place in this spiritual realm, these spiritual forces of darkness that Paul refers to. So he says that that simple act of prayer, in particular this prayer of supplication, is an, is an integral part in that great spiritual struggle. Elsewhere, Paul makes this comment in Romans chapter 15. He says, brothers, I, I appeal to you by the, by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers. And when the church gathers together like this, and when we come together in a spirit of supplication, I believe there is a great striving together. There is a partnering together that takes place when we lift up these kinds of prayers. That's, that's why we not only made these petitions, but we, we put them here so that you would come by and see them. So that maybe you would be praying for your brothers and your sisters. And so now we, we close out this teaching on that prayer model by asking our, our brother Charlie Holt to come and to word this prayer for us this morning on the prayer of supplication. Let's pray together. Dear God, we, we humbly but, but desperately come before your throne this morning, God, just like David, asking that you hear our prayer and that you are gracious to us. God, I ask that you tear down any walls that we have this morning. I ask that you pierce our hearts, God, to give us hearts of, of adoration, hearts of thanksgiving. And, and God, out of that, I pray that, that we can confess to you um, what's going on in our lives. And God, I, I want to ask a, a prayer for our leaders of our country, of our church, a prayer for our elders, uh, staff, uh, Bible teachers. God, just give them wisdom and guidance as they make difficult decisions, and, and give us all wisdom and guidance, God, and as we go throughout our lives, and we ask for a prayer for our ministries that we have here, um, for our missionaries, I pray that you um, give strength to our missionaries and their families, that you guide them in, in their work that they're doing, and that you just continue to help them grow, and um, help us be able to support them even more, and God, I pray for the ministries that we have here, our youth ministry and children's ministry and life group ministry, God, I pray that you breathe life into those um, ministries and that they continue to, to prosper and, and bless others. And God, I, I pray and I ask, God, I, I beg that you enter our, our schools and our workplaces and that you um, give our students and, and our workforce courage to, to stand for you and to to lift your name up in those places. God, I, and I ask the prayer for those that are, that are sick and hurting. pray that you give them comfort and peace and, and that you heal them, God. And I, I pray that this time of year can be tough on a lot of, a lot of folks, and I pray that for those that, um, that the Christmas time can just be a, a lonely and, and sad time, I pray that you that you give them comfort and peace in knowing that, that you're with them and, and that you keep your promise to never leave us or forsake us. And God, I, I ask that, that the story of Jesus, that the story that Jesus came to earth to live with us as a baby, um, our Advent, our Emmanuel, our God with us, that, that that never loses its wonder. God, I pray that 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 is a story that doesn't become mundane to us, but that always is the forefront of our lives, that you came to be with us, that you loved us so much that, that you would rather die than to spend eternity without us. God, I ask that, that that resonates deep within our hearts today and over this Christmas season. God, I, I ask that, um, that you prepare us for the day when you're going to come back again and you're going to make all things right. God, prepare us for that day. We ask that you come quickly, Lord. We say this in the precious, holy name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. I hope you believe in the power of prayer. We spent this hour lifting up these prayers to God and appreciate these men directing those thoughts. But, but today, may the Lord hear the prayers not only verbalized here, but the prayers that are in your hearts, the prayers that you lifted up and continue to lift up as we leave this place.
We close this time by extending the invitation of Christ. We want to be sure to make available this opportunity in case there's someone here like Elena who would want to give their lives over to the Lord in baptism. I hope that you know that that invitation from Christ himself is extended now. Maybe there's some other needs on your heart, some things you want to share with this church family that we can be praying about. You can certainly do that as well. If you need to respond this morning, I hope you will. Let's stand together and let's sing.